Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. We're going to be focused on prayer, and I just wanted to share some things, and if we don't get to prayer, praying, that's, that's fine. At least we'll begin to have a foundation of the Word of God that will continually set us up for different times when we do pray. But actually, this particular message is one that I heard uh, just a couple nights ago. It was like, uh, oh gosh, it was like 10, 11 o'clock at night, and my wife uh, tuned into it, and it was Patsy Caminetti. She was out in Colorado, and she was sharing some things, and it was just a powerful message. So I'm actually going to just share some things that she did, because again, when it comes to prayer, we are just so passive in this life, and God wants us to be assertive and be aggressive when it comes to trusting him for the promises of God. Amen? But how many of you know that you've got an adversary, right? The Bible says Jesus himself said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, we don't talk a lot about the devil in the sense of that we've got this big opponent that we're facing. No, the Bible says he's already defeated. The Bible says he's underneath of our feet. The Bible says that he, he is su- subject to our voice and us giving him direction in his life or telling him what to do and where to go. We've got authority over the enemy. But so many times we are just so oblivious to the fact that we do have somebody that is trying to wreak havoc in our lives. I know, uh, uh, I think one young lady that came in, uh, this was about three years ago, she made the statement, she said, until I ever got here, she said, I, we never heard anything about the devil. The, the church I came from, we just talked about rainbows and roses. We didn't, we didn't know about the devil. Well, if you don't know about the devil, if you don't know who you're fighting against, if you don't know who your opponent is, then you don't know how to go against him and be victorious, Right? So the Bible says, Jesus himself said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Well, what's he coming to steal? He will steal anything and everything that is not nailed down. He will steal everything that he has the opportunity to steal. He'll steal your health. He'll steal your wealth. He'll steal your life. He'll steal your joy. He'll steal your peace. He'll steal your husband, your wife. He'll steal your kids. He'll steal the people of your church. He will steal your your sanity of mind. Anything he can steal, he will steal. And then the Bible says that he also kills. Well, what's he going to kill? He'll kill your marriage. He'll kill you. He'll kill your kids. He'll kill your church. He'll kill your your job, your livelihood. Whatever he has the opportunity of killing, he will kill. And then it says that he comes to destroy. So he's not just good at stealing or he is satisfied with this stealing. He's not just satisfied with, with killing. He wants to destroy any trace of you ever having an existence on this earth. Because everything about your life is generational, right? I'm a father. I've got two daughters up here and a son that's back there in the back. Whatever I invest in them, whatever I train them up in, whatever I help them become is generational. And the enemy hates that because that is the lineage of God. 
anything that you ever do to build the kingdom of God, to have success in your life, the enemy is ultimately looking to destroy it, to erase any remembrance of you on this earth. Because everything that we do has an opportunity to have kingdom and eternal impact. You tracking with me? All right, so concerning this, think about this. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Your adversary, the devil. Now, we'll look at that verse in in just a minute. But concerning your adversary, it's very clear. He says, your adversary, and if you didn't know who he was, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So who is your enemy? It's not the person next to you. It's not the person that you're married to. It's not the person that, that, that you uh, raised in your home, your kids, your offspring, or whatever. It's not the boss. It's not the government. It's not the president. It's not Korea. That's not the adversary. They might be used strategically by the adversary, but the Bible says our adversary is the devil. Right? You've got somebody that, that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Now, I don't share that with you to think, oh, dear God, the devil. Like I said, he is defeated. He is a defeated foe. The Bible says he's under our feet. But the devil will take advantage at any opportunity that he has. Now, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We may not be able to get to all this tonight, and if we don't, we'll just pick up where we've been, where we we left off. But starting in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So in other words, we have a natural existence. We live this life in the flesh. But it says that we don't war in the flesh. Now look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thought or high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So notice it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So in other words, God says there is a a war that we're warring. And you've been given weapons to win this war. But it is not a natural war that you're warring against, right? You realize that the root of sickness and disease is spiritual. It's the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Poverty is not a natural uh, way of life. It is just not a byproduct of, of how you grew up. No, poverty at its root is spiritual. Now, again, some of it could be just plain stupidity. But once again, if you give place to the enemy's suggestions and, and live foolishly, well, then therefore you enter into poverty. And so he says, our weapons are not carnal, but mighty in God. Well, what are some of the weapons that we've been given? Number one, the Bible says that we've been given the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has, has, has 
finalized the victory on our behalf. Amen? When the enemy sees you and I, he sees somebody that has been bought by the blood of Jesus. He saw somebody that Jesus loved so much, that God loved so much, that the blood was shed. And if we would ever learn the power of the blood of Jesus, we would be so much further ahead and better off in this life. The power that's in the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus. We won't get into that. Secondly, we've been given the name, the name of Jesus. Like that song says, man, my heart can't contain the weight in the name. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess at the name. The Bible says there is no other name so uh, no other name uh, given unto men except that which is given. Or uh, I think I'm getting that wrong, the, the, the saying of it. But saying the name of Jesus is above every name. Cancer has to bow its knee to the name. Poverty and lack has to bow its knee to the name. Influenza has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. We've been given the name. We've been given the word of God. In fact, the Bible says that God exalts his word above his name. Amen. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. Well, what do you do with a sword? If you're in battle, what do you do with a sword? Is a sword, is that something that is a defensive tool or a weapon? Or is it an offensive tool or weapon? A sword is an offensive weapon that one is is to use. Well, how many of us are really taking the offense with the sword of the Spirit and saying, Devil, enough's enough. But we sit so passively by and say, Well, all right, this too shall pass. And we just wait for the, the end to come in sight rather than doing something about it. Then lastly, again, and there's more that we could talk about, but the Bible says that we have a confession or we have a voice. Amen. We have a voice to speak to the enemy. The Bible says whatever you bind on earth will be, be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So who's doing the binding? You and me. And when you purpose to do so, all of heaven gets behind you backs you up when you loose on earth all of heaven gets behind you and looses what you loose amen what can you bind well you can bind the enemy what can you loose you can loose the spirit of god amen praise god jesus himself was not easy on satan if you look through the scriptures you'll find that jesus wasn't passive at all jesus didn't just mamby-pamby around just people that were possessed by devils. No, he very assertively and aggressively took authority over them. Come out of them in Jesus' name. Well, I guess he didn't use his own name, but you get the point. (laughs) In my name, come out. You know what I mean. He took his authority and he commanded them to depart. He took authority. He was very assertive. Do you remember with Peter? Peter was being influenced by the enemy and his thought life. And what did, what did Jesus say to Peter? Remember when Jesus was telling him he was going to go to the cross, and Peter says, oh, no, that can't be the case. Jesus said, get thou behind me, Satan. He says, for you're an offense to me. I mean, think about that. Jesus wasn't pulling any punches. He, one of his closest friends were being used by and manipulated by the enemy to bring 
confusion, bring temptation to Jesus. And Jesus says, stop it and right now. Get behind me. Amen? So what was he really saying? I mean, think about it. If that happened in church today, people would get offended. What Jesus was really saying to him, quit acting like a baby, Peter. He says, you're listening to the enemy. You're being moved by your emotions. Now stop it. And devil, you shut up right now. You stop influencing him. Man, what if you said that to somebody in church? Like, stop acting like a baby. Right now, you are just being used by the devil. Shut up. Can't believe you're talking to me that way. Right? And sometimes we should. We, we should. Straighten up. You are acting like a little baby. Here's the full verse of that. Matthew 16, verse 23, he says, But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. The enemy will... The enemy will devour, he will get into your life any place that he has not resisted. You've got to hear that. Because again, we just live this life skipping through the roses thinking, well, kumbaya. And we never do anything to take our place of authority as a believer. And there are little places that the enemy has got into our life, got into our marriage, got into our thinking, got into our church, and we just think, well, you know, eventually that'll all work out. And it's just a divisive nature of the enemy that we just let go on thinking it will work itself out rather than saying, it's time to stop right now. It's time for you to cease right now. I said, the enemy will occupy any space that you'll allow him. And that place that we allow him is a place that is not resisted. For example, if you remember the story of the madman of Gadara, you remember that? To help you see the whole big picture of that, the Bible says that Jesus got into a boat with his disciples. And this particular place where they were going, it was a very heavily populated area, but there was only one port by which they could get to the place where they were going. And the whole reason that they were going there is because they had not heard the good news from Jesus yet. If you remember, the Bible says that everywhere that Jesus went, he preached, he would teach, and then he would demonstrate the power of God. He would preach, he would teach, and he would demonstrate the power of God. And this place he had not yet been, and therefore he says, come on, let's go. In the midst of them being on the sea, in the boat, the Bible says that a great storm arose. And then he rebuked it. You know, our insurance agencies, they'll say, well, those storms are an act of God. Well, if they're an act of God, then Jesus was rebuking the very will of God. So we know that that wasn't the case. Right? And then when they got to where they finally, uh, or, or their destination was going to be, the Bible says that there was the madman of Gadara that was running around screaming, cutting himself. He, he was naked. It says that they would bind him with chains and he would break him because of supernatural demonic strength because he was possessed by the devil. And when he got there, Jesus told him, be clean, come out of him and not right now in Jesus' name. I keep saying Jesus' name. He didn't say that. You know what I mean though? Come out of him. 
And this is something that you've got to understand because whenever you have a victory in your life, it's real easy. And I got to tell you, I've done it so many times and you would think that you would learn that you win this fight of faith and you sit back thinking, "Woo, we won. Praise the Lord. It was a, it was a long battle, but praise the Lord. We got through and glory to God. We made it. And you just sit back. That's not the time to sit back. That's the time to lean forward and still be, uh, aggressive with your faith because the enemy's not going to let you just sit back and say oh yeah i guess you beat me that story that i told you about with the man managadere why did the storm come because there was only one way to get to the people that needed to hear the gospel so the enemy worked up a storm to try to keep him from going jesus rebuked the storm and said devil stop it right now when he got over to the shoreline, what did he have? He had another obstacle. It was a madman of Gadara that was trying to bring division and schism so that people wouldn't come to hear the gospel. What's the point? The point is, is that if you see the enemy working here, he's already working over here. And he's already working over here. So don't just think, well, we got that one lick. No, he's already working here, working here, working here. He's already three steps ahead of you. So we've got to be proactive with our faith to say, oh, no, devil, you're not going to mess with my family you're not going to mess with my marriage and my my kids you're not going to mess with my church and stay on the alert staying on guard because your adversary the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour when your guard comes down (sighs) praise the lord we did it up i got an opportunity Because you let your guard down. Are you tracking with me? And so we've got a purpose to stay alert. And here's what uh, Jesus said. I I made reference to you what Jesus said to Peter. But the New Living Translation says it this way. He says, you're dangerous. Peter, you're dangerous. You're a dangerous trap to me. And you are not seeing things merely, or uh, excuse me, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view. Not from God's. So, let me bring it back to where we were talking about the whole giving thing. And what people's thoughts tend to go towards. The human side of life. The ungodly counsel that will come and talk into your ear. About whether it be money or about anything for that matter. What's the point? They're a temptation. And if you don't recognize their counsel or uh, uh, identify where they're at spiritually, they can be a dangerous temptation to you because what they see is only from the human point of view, not God's. God's point of view is always higher and always is leading us to a higher place of faith. The human side or the point of view will never understand. (sighs) Dare to believe God? That's hard. Does that make sense? How we doing on time? All right. I'll wind this up in the next 10 minutes. Can you give me 10 minutes? Good. I'm going to take it anyways. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Have you ever noticed, if you remember I said, speaking to Peter, he says, you're a dangerous temptation to me. Have you ever noticed that the devil uses people? He does. He uses circumstances, but he uses people. 
He uses people that have an unrenewed mind. He uses people that are spiritually immature. He uses people that are ungodly to come and bring counsel, to come and bring influence into our lives. And if we're not aware of their influence in our lives, they could be a dangerous trap, right? So what do we do about people? Because here's the thing. All of us are going to have people in our lives. It's going to be family. It's going to be friends. It's going to be people in your church. So how, how do I handle the enemy using people to get to my life? Do I rebuke the person? Do I, do I call him a devil? No. But you've got to understand that there is an influence working behind them. Right? As a husband and wife, have you ever gotten into an argument? And there's this something that's like, man, I'm going to pull that out of the bag. And when I pull that out, it's the atomic bomb. It's going to settle it. It's going to shut it up. It's the wham. And you know, if I go there, there's no return. And the damage that it could cost, well, right now I just don't care. Well, what are you doing? You're giving place to the enemy to bring influence, right? Well, all of us are subject to that, just individually. And so once again, there's those people that bring influence. But here's what I want you to see here. Concerning using that authority that we have. Understanding that it's the enemy that's at work behind it. So just for a moment, indulge me to to read this. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 18 through 23, it says, But when you are directed by the Spirit or the Holy Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostilities, quarreling, jealousies, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all the other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I before that any, anyone living this sort of life will not, uh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. In our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So, let me just draw some parallels there. When it comes to your personal life... You've got to be very assertive with the enemy. Not giving him place. Not being a mamby-pamby individual when it comes to him having an access in your, in your life. In your home, in your family, in your business, in your ministry, whatever it might be. When it comes to people, God has not only given us weapons of our warfare for the enemy, but he's given us some weapons to help with people. But before I get there to give you those weapons, let's just back up into that first part of the, the, the verse where it says, the results or those that live by the flesh, their, their life is clear, or it's clear to see how they live life. 
Okay, so let me just give you a couple of these. For those that are living by the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Let's just take those three. There are those individuals, for instance, uh, whether in the church or out of the church. You know, when two consenting adults get together and you get the right combination and you get in the right situation, things can happen, right? I mean, it just one plus one equals two, right? That's just human nature. But in order to give place to that in your life, you've got to override the spirit on the inside. If you're a believer, if you're a child of God, and you find yourself having sex outside of marriage, the spirit of God on the inside is saying, oh, come on, do it the right way. Get married. That's the will of God, right? Everybody tracking with me? We're talking from a biblical perspective. If you're a believer, if you're a child of God, the Spirit of God is working on the inside. You may not even realize what that is. You might be a new believer, but something's scratching on the inside. So you as an individual have to push the Spirit down and His conviction. So you don't surrender to the Spirit of God, but you yield your flesh to the act. How did I get there in the first place? Because the enemy started working on my soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. So think about it. Right now, I'm living out of my mind, my will, and my emotions, my soul. I've already shoved down my spirit that the Spirit of God is trying to talk to me about, and I've surrendered to my flesh. So that individual is just totally screwed up. And I'm using that word very loosely. Uh, That's not the right way to say it. Help me, Lord. Give me the right words to say. Mixed up. They are all mixed up because they've already rejected the Holy Spirit. They've given into their flesh and they are just following their mind, their will, and their emotions. That feels good. I want to do it. Does that make sense? And yet, those kind of people that we know in our lives are coming and giving counsel or coming and and, and giving input? Well, what kind of input do they have to give into our lives? They're all mixed up. They don't know how to hear God because they've already shoved God down and surrendered themselves to the flesh and given in to the emotions where the enemy comes and starts playing. Does that make sense? All right, let's go to the next ones. He says idolatry, sorcery. Okay, idolatry is just simply putting something before God. There's all kinds of people that have idols in their life. It could be your kids. It could be your play and fun time. It could be your car. It could be your golf clubs. It could, there's all kinds of things, right, that takes a priority in our life. And so what happens? I'm not hearing correctly in my life. Therefore, I'm Moved by my mind, my will, and emotions, and that's where the enemy comes in. All right, look at the next ones. Hostility, quarrels, jealous, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, or not having self-control. Once again, how come do you know people in your life that, man, they're just angry. They're mad all the time, got a chip on their shoulder. I mean, you just don't want to say the wrong thing because you know they're just going to explode. 
Well, why do they live life that way? Because they give into the mind, the will, and the emotions, the playground of the enemy, right? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is constantly saying, no, be gentle, be kind, have peace. Mm, I'm going to just let you have it right now, (laughs) right? So we all know those kinds of people, have those people around us, and you can't Put yourself on an island and say, well, we're just going to guard ourselves from those kind of people. No, they're always around us. Okay? And then it goes on to say, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. What does this do? It gives place to the enemy to have playground in your mind again because God says be sober-minded. When you give place to substance, what does that do? It gives your self-control up. I'm giving place to let myself go. And when you surrender, you open up your soul to the enemy to have a play day. Are you catching what I'm saying? All right, so I just wanted to bring that comparison in regards to people that we have in our life. We all have them. So what do we do? Number one, we take authority over the enemy in those people that might have influence in our life. Devil, you're going to stop it right now. You are not going to be an offense to me. You're not going to set a dangerous trap for me. In Jesus' name, you will stop now. But what's my weapons for those people? Do I reject them? Do I cuss them out like they would cuss me out? Do I call them a devil and say, devil, you get behind me? No. What's your weapons? The weapons is the fruit of the Spirit. Wouldn't you like to impose the will of God on people? Wouldn't that be so cool? I just so want you to experience the will of God and I'm going to will it into your life. I want you to live right. I want you, as a pastor, man, that is the biggest, hardest thing is I want people to live right and experience God and want to be hungry and on fire. But I can't impose God's will on anybody. And nor can God. God can't impose his will on anybody. Right? Right? But what do I do as a believer? I can take authority over the enemy in my life. Those that would, might be influenced to influence my life, I take authority over the enemy. But how do I use weapons in people's lives? My weapons? Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Those people that just want to push your buttons and they're pushing your buttons because they're wanting to push your buttons. What do I do? Love them. Those people that I just want to see them get their life turned around for God. Stop living life in the gutter of life and come up and live the high life that God really wants. What do I do as as a believer? Patience. I show them kindness. You want to get frustrated with them. You want to get irritated with them. You want to look to shake them. Now I show them kindness. I show them love. I show them self-control. I let the peace of God work in me. And I show them, listen, this too will pass. We have a great opportunity to make change. And a lot of that comes through our prayer life. But our prayer life, we must be intentional 
by taking our place of authority and saying, devil, you're not going to rule and reign. You're not going to have this place in my kids' lives. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. And then you say, Holy Spirit, help me use the fruit of the Spirit. Help me mature in these things. Help me walk these out. Amen? Come on. How many of you got family members that you would just like to wring their neck? Yeah. I just... (laughs) Is that going to do any good? Make you feel good, maybe. (laughs) You know, slap them up a little bit. It's not going to change them. It's not going to force them to do anything. But the fruit of the Spirit can begin to minister to them. And it allows the Holy Spirit to begin to work on their heart. And that begins to produce change in their life. Amen? Do you want to see some results and changes? Well, we'll keep on plugging away at it and see it. Amen. Did you get anything? All right, what'd you get? Give me some input. Anybody? Wave at me. Say, yes, sir. There you go. Stay rooted in the Word of God. Using the Word of God as a weapon. That's right. It's, it's, it's something that is, is we can, something we can use as, as an offensive weapon. Absolutely. Sandy. Yes. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, amen. That's good. The devil will take, take a possession of any place in our life that we don't resist him in. And uh, that was something that the Lord said to me man, many years ago. He said, I have to allow whatever you permit. So many times we're saying, God, why don't you do something? He's like, you make the first move. If you're just permitting it, then I got to allow it. But if you'll take a stand, I'll stand with you. Anything else? Awesome. (laughs) That's all right. Awesome, awesome. All right. I'll pray and I'll let you go. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for these people. We thank you for just bringing the word alive to their their hearts and their minds. We thank you, Father, that you'll bless us for the remainder of this week. We thank you for just our steps being ordered. In Jesus' name, amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life